half hour. That's right. He can stay. He can stay up until four four a.m. watching Chelsea, but an extra half hour doing the podcast that he apparently loves. Too much. I didn't have work this morning at four o'clock, bloke. Right. Yeah, that's right. All right. No, All I know right. where we're at. I know where we're at in your pecking order. It's very you clear. Call, you do what I have to do after this, and then I'll do the editing of the pod, and then you wake up for me tomorrow morning and put yeah, my and mask then, on. And then when people are listening to it in their cars, it's going to sound like a fucking broken record. Train wreck. That's right. Yeah. And then when people are gaining weight for you training them, then we're in, we're having issues. Yeah, right. <laughs> fucking hell. And COVID's really going to take hold of the population in Australia. You've at Bay least... Hunt. You've at least got me smiling. <laughs> well, it was always going to happen. Welcome, everyone, to episode 36 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast. I'm Joe, here with Dan and Jules, again from Spain. Jules, how are you? Yeah, we're back, boys, aren't we? In a big way. Dan? I'm really, really good. Yeah, tell the <laughs> truth. But we started with a house on fire. Started with, we actually started with a genuine argument today. I think that's the first time I've actually argued with you proper. I was actually upset at you. Domestic. It was proper Jerry Springer moment. If we had been in person, walls would have been broken. I don't think I've ever actually had an argument with you. I've had an argument with Jules, not with Dan. Yeah, well, that's how you know the friendship's getting... It's actually growing. How's that? It's about to end. Anyway, let's hope this goes well because it might be the last time I see you. Uh, 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 look, Jules, how's Spain? You went to Valencia Real Madrid yesterday. How was that, Bella? What an experience. Uh, yeah, it was inspirational. Obviously, fortunate enough to um, get to the game. Um, jag some tickets. Um, pretty lucky. Um, my partner's... Um, Dad used to work for Adidas, so we were able to jag tickets for, for, for nothing. Um, and the seats obviously were pretty good, pretty handy. And, um, yeah, it was actually a pretty entertaining game. Valencia went 1-0 up. And then, you know, they'll pr- probably, um, for be- better part of the game, they were on top. And then Real Madrid jagged two goals late and ended up winning the game 2-1. But, um, yeah, it was the atmosphere was, um, was immense. And they had about, I think it was 60% um, of a t- and then, so, yeah, they had about, what, 29, 30,000 there. So it's not too bad. Jules, did you say... Just stay out boys. Did you say that, that um, your girlfriend's dad does work for Adidas or used to? Used to. Because I was going to see if, she, if you could sponsor ProForm. <laughs> hey, Jules. he's... Um, her uncle, her uncle um, works with Puma as well. So, you know, you never know. Maybe yeah, further down the track phase, um, have built a bit of a relationship and, you know, we'll see where we go from there. Maybe they can sponsor this show. Oof. Jules, Jules just turned into... Might Craig, have to have a chat. Jules, Jules just turned into Craig Foster breaking that game down. Did you see that? <laughs> hey, what I, Les I, Murray? <laughs> just want to give you a good rundown, boys, yeah? Yeah. I didn't realise this was a soccer podcast. Anyway, it's good. Good to see both of you. Now I'm feeling a bit better because the way that this show was starting, it was going to be very, very apprehensive, but we're all right. <laughs> you genuinely didn't want to be here. I could, you're so flat. I got you, I, I got you so flat. You, you've never seen me proper upset like that, have you? No, I have, but not at you. The only time I got you were that upset was when you hit your head on the pole and you looked at me. Yeah, there it is. That I was laughing. Up. 
yeah, that always makes. How did how did that go again? That all yeah no we're not going back over that we've already done that in this podcast. Uh, all the listeners, thank you very much for for tuning in this off season. It's uh, it's been great that you've uh, that you've stuck around. Um, if you haven't followed us already, it's at Almost Blues Brothers on Instagram. Boys, I got the Facebook and Twitter created. I just need to tweak it, fine tune it, but it's there. We're ready to go. So I'll share those handles next week for everyone else to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You're the best, Joe. Shut up, Pov. You can't. <laughs> what, what, can... Bella, what will we do without you? Yeah. That's what, you know what? That's what I said. I said, at the end of the day, what will we do without you? I don't, I don't want to hear any of this because I know what you actually think and I couldn't give a fuck what you're saying right now. Um, hey, we're pumping you up big time here. Boys, yeah, just take it on board. I'm moving on. Today, we've got a very special guest joining us in the second half of this episode to preview the grand final. We've got Caden McDonald, uh, who is a Melbourne fanatic and a YouTuber that I'm sure a lot of our listeners would know, but if they don't, um, go check out his stuff on YouTube. Uh, he's been doing it for years and it's going to be good to have a chat with him about how it all turned around at Melbourne and how, how he's feeling in the lead up to this week. So he's going to help us preview the grand final. Um, before that though, we're going to go through a bit of a Brownlow breakdown. Our boy, Sammy Walsh, just showing the competition that he doesn't need to be compared to Rosie and, and Bailey Smith anymore. He's in, the, he's in the upper echelon being compared to Bont, Wines and Clayton Oliver. They're the only three ahead of him at this point. So we'll go through that. Got some blues news. A few things, actually. We had Teague signing elsewhere, Cameron Bruce leaving, a few contract re-signings for players. Obviously, going to talk about the big fish, Brian Cook, and, uh, and we'll talk about Luke Says within all of that as well. So... Big show, boys. And that's that's obviously before we get to the, the grand final preview. It's grand final week. It's, it's a bit different in Melbourne. I don't really feel it. I don't know about you, boys. Yeah, obviously looking from afar, you know, yeah. I, you know, I'm just trying to – I think it was yesterday I was trying to figure how it would feel um, in Melbourne, like leading leading up into the grand, grand final. Even last year, when obviously when we were there, it was, a bit, it was obviously different um, with the game being played in Gabba, at the Gabba, but two years in a row now. So potentially, you know, could it be a third? We, we don't know. So time will tell. Hopefully not. Yeah, I was saying it before to my partner that it would have been absolutely unbelievable to Melbourne teams and how the city would have been in the atmosphere. Um, would have been something spectacular, but obviously not to be. And you're right, Joe, there's a different feel about it, isn't it? Like the lead up and everything. Don't pander to me. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, Joe, this, yeah, that, that's all right. (laughs) Just don't get on my bad side ever again. Boys, without any further ado. Let's get into get into it. No, there's no one around the ground. <laughs> Boys, we're going to start with the Brownlow. Uh, Ollie Wines, for me, deserved winner. He's the second player in history to, to win with 36 votes. The only other player to do that was Dusty Martin in that season that he had. But I don't know if he... Uh, for me, uh, for me, Bont is the, was the best player this season by a long way. And... I don't know. I know it's the nature of the Brownlow. Week by week, you get your three twos and ones. And if you're in a stronger side, there are going to be people that take votes for you. And I think Wines 
was a beneficiary of basically only Boak taking votes off him. Um, did, did you think he was a deserved winner? I mean, at the end of the day, he, he, he probably he had a good year, but did, how'd you say it? I do. I think he was a deserved winner. I think he was he had a massive year this year. And if you look at what he's actually had to overcome to get to this point, um, it's quite impressive, yeah, through injury. Um, he was actually going to – there was a potential move, I remember, was it a couple of years ago where he was actually going to come back to Melbourne. He was wanting to come back to Melbourne. Yeah. So, um, Potentially Carlton. Yeah, that's, well, that's it. Well, that's his that's his childhood team, isn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's I think he's a, he's an absolute gun, deserved. But I was actually thinking that Bont, um, well, yesterday watching it, um, that because Bont overpolled early on, um, so I actually thought Bont was going to run away with it. Um, so I was quite shocked that Ollie Wines in the end ended up pipping him. Yeah, my thoughts. I think Wines is a deserved winner. Obviously, overcome overcoming. Um, a lot. Um, obviously, like you said, Pov, um, in regards to him, you know, a couple of years back, wanting to get a trade back home to Melbourne. But I actually thought Oliver. I think Oliver had the best season out of all the players in terms of his overall game, both defensively, defensive efforts and offensive efforts as well. So I, I feel like as if he was, he's the probably the most complete midfielder um, or complete player over the course of the season. Season, so I feel like as if Oliver um, definitely depend. Um, yeah, also going off, you know, he's got Gorn and uh, Petrarca, you know, and the like to to deal with, you know, as well um, in their midfield. So, Boke polled quite well as well, um, despite Ollie Wines getting thirty six votes. Bon, uh, Boke got what twenty five was it in the end? Yeah, I think I think he was mm. top seven or eight in the end. Yeah, he was so. Um, and then what Petrarca ended up what top ten just? Yeah, I think he was he was seventh equal seventh as well or something like that. So mm. yeah, it was a very very open count. I actually agree, Jules. I think if you look at the complete, almost the complete midfielder, it's probably is Oliver. But at the same time, Bont kicks goals. He kicked twenty six goals this year. Like as a midfielder, that's that's incredible, man. Um, and to to come second with thirty three votes is. Almost unheard of. And, well, it is unheard of, actually, because it's the first time I think that they had four players poll 30 or more mm-hmm. on Brownlow night. So it was it was the most open count I've seen. It was thrilling. It was right to the end, right to round 23. Um, both sort of still were in it. Um, I think we all knew by the end of round 22, Wines would would poll more than Bont in that last game. Um, but it was, a, it was a thrilling count, start to finish. It wasn't one of those ones where we had a runaway leader early on and no one could catch him it was uh it was mm. yeah it was it, anyone could have won it up right up until yeah. there was a lot of changes there was a lot of changes throughout the course of the night wasn't there heaps well it was funny because you're actually waiting on jack Steele to make a late a late run because he was nowhere um but then obviously we knew his last what seven eight games were going to be huge um and what he ended up i think top five no, Parish was fifth. I think still oh, just outside. Just outside. Yeah, yeah well, Parish Parish was one that won, went under the radar. It wasn't one that I really thought about consciously, but he was always going to be there at the pointy end with with the BOG medals that he had in the Indigenous uh, Indigenous round game, the Dreamtime game, and he got the Anzac Day medal as well. So he was always going to be right up there. Um, so he's done well for top five. But, boys, we're not here to, to talk about anyone other than one player, really. <laughs> And it's not Ollie Wines, I can tell you. It's a 21-year-old that just equaled Carlton's all-time polling record on Brownlow night, sitting alongside 
Greg Williams and Chris Judd in just his third season of football. Sam Walsh is, uh, I don't know. I've said so many times, I don't have any more words for this kid, but I've got goosebumps yeah. thinking about him, man. Last night, um... last night, I was just, I knew, I think we all knew he was going to do well. To see the recognition from obviously the umpires on game day in games that we sort of went, nah, he faded a little bit. It wasn't up to standard. I think it just shows that at, at times I think we're taking this this kid for granted because he is he is a superstar. There there aren't many players you can say that about, but this kid is a superstar. Yeah, I just feel like as if he's a once in a generation type player, um, and probably even one you know in a hundred years potentially down the track with the way he's tracking because. I think I said it yesterday um, in our group chat that potentially if he keeps going the way he's going and with the longevity that I feel that his body can have, he's going to rack up, okay, the most Brownlow votes ever as a player. I can almost guarantee you it. He, he has that potential just due to the fact that how long potentially he could play. Um, but my only issue is, obviously, we're speaking about Sam Welsh, but obviously talking about the Carlton Football Club, you got Sam Welsh on 30 votes. The next best was eight. We need yeah. more to join the party. And and the and that wasn't another midfielder either. That was our nah. common medalist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. For me, I just think I just think the biggest thing, and I was in awe watching him pick up votes when when we didn't think he would, or you know, over poll. He was over polling by five votes um, at one stage. And I think it's the, the 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 biggest thing I got out of that was now, like you said, is not getting compared to a Rosie or a Smith. Like he's being now considered one of the best in the competition, top four. You know, Can he win it next year? Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. I reckon he would have won it this year if we had won a few more games. I agree. I think if we won maybe two more games, that was his for the taking. At least a tie. You know, he finished on 31s on 36. We win two more games. Walsh gets three votes in both. Forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the kid's a superstar. Um, oh, I'm I'm wrapped that that he's he's going to be playing, hopefully, for the rest of his career at the Carlton Football Club because, uh, like you said, Jules, he's generational. He's a generational talent. It's not one that, that comes along very often, but he's just a complete footballer. Um, well, that's – I mean, that's the Brownlow chat, really. Um Blues news. Now, we spoke about – actually, I'll, I'll start here just quickly because there was a bit of news that filtered through today. Um, we spoke about the, the, the next best that polled was Harry Mackay. It wasn't a midfielder. Well, George Hewitt has basically pretty much today said that he'll be leaving Sydney and coming to Carlton as a restricted free agent next year. This is a guy that laid 13 tackles or 14 tackles in their final uh, against GWS, and that is something that we have desperately missed in our midfield. How big an addition is George Hewitt going to be, boys, to that midfield unit? Yeah, I feel like as if he's going to uh, balance out our midfield, um, yeah, sensationally. And he's not that big-name player that people are sort of crying out for. But in terms of talent and effort, he's and in terms of, like I said, his position that he plays um, and within the system, um, he's definitely the top player we need. Yeah, I mentioned that last week. Well, we spoke about it, Joe, last week um, where we mentioned Chera Hewitt. And I think Hewitt's the, the, the acquisition that we need. I think we've got accumulators, but we need that contested body, um, someone that's going to bring that um, and add that to our midfield. I think we're lacking 
Um, you know, we say that Cripp is the contested beast, but I feel as though the pace of the game or the game's gone away from him in that sense. Whereas I think Hewitt's right on the money in terms of what he delivers um, at, from a tackling perspective, more importantly. Because um, I think Kennedy, Kennedy can definitely do it, but Hewitt's just that, I think that class, that next level as to what he can apply contested in a contested sense. I think, I think you hit it on the head. He contested ball winner, which we're, we're probably one or two short, considering the form of Cripps this year. Um, and we're hoping the Cripps can get back to his best, but it does free up Cripps to, you know, not have, he's got one, one extra body around him that's potentially winning the ball and, and an, an extra body that the opposition has to put some time and effort into. But for me, Hewitt, he's got tagging abilities. And if he's got tagging abilities, you know that he's going to potentially put blocks on for other Carlton players at stoppages, which is what we lacked this year as well. Saw Walsh be tagged out of a couple of games and no one really wanted to put a block on for him. Hewitt's a, he's a bit of a mongrel and he's not, doesn't look like a selfish player where he has to be the one getting his hands on the footy. He'll do the team work that I think we've been lacking in that midfield unit. And that's where I was saying that I, I prefer Hewitt to Chera because of, I think like, like um, even Paul said last week, um, boys, where, we need to look at what we need, not what's available. And Hewitt's what we need, um, which I think is fantastic. And if you look at our midfield group now, you can see there's a nice balance, hey, with players and depth. Yeah. Mm. With, I think I've said it once before, but you know, Hewitt's going to add another dimension, um, like like we said. But it's just all about the likes of you know Dow, O'Brien, Stocker, potentially down the track. Kemp maybe if he's not going to be a um, key position player and maybe come inside. We need growth from from those players with and with the consistency of you know Cripps obviously going back to his normal self um, in a in a midfield um, aspect and then obviously Welsh just to continue on with the way he's going and then Kennedy going again. So it's, we have the potential. It's just for them to go to that next level. Then we need to go get those players to get to the next level and then our group's going to flourish. Spot on. Spot on. So that's it's exciting. That's it's it's another one's gonna be coming across that's that's really gonna add some depth, like you said there, Jules. Um a, a couple other bits of news here that were sort of released uh late today. This is we are recording this on a Sunday. Uh first one, Cameron Bruce is off to Brisbane. So he's he's informed the club that he'll he'll be leaving for Brisbane. But uh the bigger one, and it's one that I think we all sort of saw coming, uh, considering his his chat with Damien Hardwick just before he got sacked. Uh, David Teague has just signed on at the Richmond Football Club as a senior assistant coach. Um, what, how did you react to that news, boys? To be honest with you, it was, I was expecting that because of the way in which Hardwick was sung uh, Teague's praises um, and the fact that Teague even came to Hardwick for advice. So there's a huge relationship between the two. Um, and I feel, as though, I feel as though a lot of people, despite obviously the changes that we've made at Carlton, but they feel um, sorry fatigue in the way in which it was handled by the club. And I don't think Hardwick's appointment would be based off, off sympathy, but I think the fact that he has seen him as a mentor to have that relationship, I think I was expecting that move. Yeah. I full expected the move to happen, obviously with the, the way Hardwick um, came in and backed um, Teague throughout the, you know, the last few months. Um, and then even when, um, you know, T wasn't even announced. There was sort of rumours going around that if it did eventuate that he was going to be 
or part ways with the club um, that he was going to end up at Richmond anyway. So, yeah, there's no shock or surprise there. And do you know what, boys, to be honest with you, he deserves to still be in the AFL, okay? Yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah, he deserves yeah. to still be in the system. He, he, you know, he's shown enough that he has potential to be a good coach. Um, you know, with us, I, I still believe that he came on in the wrong time, plain and simple, as to where we're at. You know, um, so yeah, I, I am happy that he's gonna that we are gonna see more of Teague. Yeah, you nailed it. He came into a system that was broken beyond repair, and he somehow repaired it enough to get us competitive again pretty quickly. So I'm, I'm happy for Tiki. It's, it's good to see him. Like you said, Dan, still, still in the football system, still part of the footballing world, because uh, I think uh, the game is better with him. And I think he's going to learn a lot at Richmond. And I wouldn't be surprised if down the track, whether it be five, 10 years, you see Tiki in a head coach's position again, because I just feel like with a few tweaks to the way that he approaches uh, the way that he coaches, um, you know, he he could be he could he could seriously be a, a, a really good coach, and we saw signs. We spoke about it all. Yeah, us three. Yeah, can I ask you what? Again, just I want to revert back just quickly uh, to the Hewitt discussion, and what do you think, boys? This means for for a Samo. Yeah, for those um, players, I think there will be players traded out. I do believe so. Um, I don't think our draft, I don't think our draft hand is, is that is obviously we've got pick six, but then after that, um, yeah. So I, I feel, I think some players will be traded out um, to, for draft picks and then potentially traded in, you know, a variety of different players, um, particularly maybe in our ruck stocks and obviously our key position players um, defensively, especially, um, but maybe it's to free up some cap space um, as well. I feel like as if, yeah, but in terms of player movement, I don't think there will be a whole lot. But, you know, obviously there's depth there, you know. So, yeah, obviously we're going to see what happens in the next um, month or so in terms of what's going to happen with um, the players and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I feel like as if there will be some form of movement um, with the likes of Samo and Cedarfield. But I feel like as if Samo is a player that we need. I, I agree with that. I agree. Um I think we need Samo, and I think I look at it from the perspective of you bring in someone like Hewitt, and he's just adding to the depth chart in the midfield, and it pushes someone like a Samo or a Dow to hold their spot, um, and and it really pushes them to excel. Even Setterfield, it pushes Setters to really try to improve and develop at a much quicker rate than what he has the last couple of years. And I think that's more important than anything. Whether these guys stick around or not, who knows? We you know we're not running we're not running the re- recruiting department, but. Um, I think above all, it just helps with our depth chart, which we've been seriously lacking there um, in pushing a few players that need to be pushed, in all honesty. Talking about talking about signings and uncontracted players, we had a few a few key player signings during the week, boys. We had Ed Curnow sign on for one year, we had, and then we had Mark Pitnett, Nick Newman, and Brody Kemp all sign on for an extra two years. Um, how important did you see these signings? Because for me... Um, Ed Curnow, Mark Pitnett, Nick Newman, and even even Brody Kemp, based on what I saw um, in in the two games that he played, they're they're pretty much best twenty two or at least top twenty five for us week in week out. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with obviously Ed Curnow signing. I feel as if we needed that experience, um, and I, I, like I said, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if we get another key 
um, experienced player um, in the trade period, to be honest with you. I feel like as if particularly maybe their age demographic of around, you know, 28 to 30, something like that, that's played finals. Um, I feel like as if that's someone that we probably would target. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy that Ed Kerno, just because due, due to his effort, you know, his, his leadership on field um, and obviously on, on the training track too. Um, so that's great. Um, in terms of Newman, I feel like as if since coming back from his knee injury, um, you know, particularly the back half of the year, um, he went on in leaps and bounds. Um, so well-deserved. Um, Pitonet, um, now he's, you know, he's top 22. Like he's probably one of our, you know, two best rucks, obviously with, with the likes of um, with TDK. But I, I don't feel he's that ruckman that's going to lead us to the promised land. I don't feel like if he's that type of player. Um, maybe he proves me wrong. We'll see. And then with Kemp, obviously you can see his potential too. So we'll see. Time will tell. I think Jules nailed it, Pov. You don't need to say anything there, man. No, I was gonna, I was about to say good take, Jules. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, look, um, we've, I will they, say, I will say one thing. I do like the fact that we re-signed Kemp purely on the basis that he was injured for so long and showed enough. Um, and also Newman. I was, I was reading a couple of forums that um, some supporters wanted Newman gone, but I couldn't see it. I don't <laughs> for, understand that. Not, likewise, for me, what he brought to that back line, for a back line anyway, um, you know, we are saying, Joe, that he was the missing um, piece to Simo. Yeah, keep pandering to me. It's not he, brings he brings stability. No, he does. No, no, you're right. You're right. Jokes aside, you're right, Paul. He does. He like, brings stability. He's, he, he stepped into that Simo role when no one else, while he was injured, no one else really did. And it was it was a, a gaping hole in our back line and he, and he filled it. So, look, the, the other two that I'm keeping a close eye on that I want to see a signature for soon is, is obviously Jack Silvani and Sammy Walsh. So, hopefully we get some news on those two. Boys, on to the more pressing matter, the, the, the important one. And we said that this was more important than a head coach announcement. I don't care who the head coach is at this point. I really don't because we just nailed the best sports administrator in this country for the last four, the better part of the last 40 years. Brian Cook has won flags. You've said it, Pov, at, at, at West Coast in the 90s. He's won flags at Geelong, turned Geelong around massively. When he got there, it was a basket case and turned him into an absolute powerhouse again. Um he, he brings success. He brings knowledge of how, how to build a successful sporting organisation. And for me, what this appointment says to the football world is blues are back. Like, we're not, we're not here to fuck around anymore. Like, this is – and we're going to talk about Luke Sayers, but Luke Sayers has nailed it in his first three weeks and four weeks. He has absolutely nailed it to get someone like Brian Cook through the door. Yeah, look, I've – Great acquisition, like you said. I feel like as if his accolades speak for themselves, you know. Um, you can see in, in the way in which um, Cook just conducts himself. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm still keeping very tight lift um, in just in terms of my enthusiasm. Great, great acquisition, like you said. But until next year, I see that, you know, we make finals, then, you know, I'm not celebrating just yet, to be honest. Listen. Just nod me, Joe. I think you. I've said it before. You bring people that know how to win, 
um, you bring success to a club and things happen. And I think with Brian Cook, um, oh, like what you said, it it um, it makes a statement to the rest of the AFL. Um, so I, I'm I'm wrapped. I think I think I'm actually more excited about him coming than than whoever coaches, to be honest. Um, because of what he has done at previous clubs. Um, I, but to be honest with you, boys, like you need, he knows how to run a football club. That's the difference. Not a business. He knows how to run a business, but it's very different business and football club. And he he knows how to run that. So um, we got the right man. Spot on. Spot on. Does this? I mean, there's, there's nothing else to be said for the bloke. His resume literally speaks for itself. Um, and if he's going to bring, even if he's going to bring even a touch of that to Carlton for what he's done at Geelong and what he did at West Coast early on. Um, we are, we're set up for success here, boys, massively. And I think with the list that we've got, he's going to make sure we've got the right people in place doing the jobs that they need to do. And, and this, I'll let you go, Paul, before I, I'll, I'll lead into this next bit for me. I was going to say, to be honest with you, Says is fucking nailing it in the fact, two appointments, obviously one we've mentioned now, Brian Cook, second Diesel Williams. I think him on the board is just spot on. Um, and you can see, like you said, tick with everything that says is doing. And it's all that we're asking. I think uh, every current supporter is asking for what he's doing at the moment. But like, like you mentioned, Jules, for me, I, I hold the club accountable to making finals. Yeah. Agree. I, I, they, they have not won me over in what they're doing and how they've gone about it. Unless they make finals 40 next year. And I can't, and yes, I, I, I agree with the moves that they are making because that's the way in which I see the club progressing and getting to where we need to go. But unless we make that KPI, you don't have me as a believer. Agree. Agree. 100% agree with that, Pov. And this is where I was going to go with this. I spoke a little bit about Luke Sayers there, but with someone like Brian Cook and the, and the standing that he has within this game, people follow. And you get good people that follow someone that's appointed at a football club like that. And tonight, Tom Morris has gone with the story that Michael, uh, yeah, that that Vossi, uh, it is Michael Voss, is it not? I've got that right. I've just had a massive <laughs> brain pain. How's that? Michael Voss. Honestly, it didn't sound right. Because I was thinking, I was thinking Ross Lyon and Michael Voss. It just it 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 got me a bit. I don't know. My, the computer in my brain just had a bit of a glitch. But Michael Voss, Tom Morris has gone with Michael Voss has the Carlton head coaching gig <laughs> in in his hands. Have I got this? What what are you looking at, Matt? Let's get going. Are we talking about are we talking about Ross Voss or Michael Lyon? Who are we talking yeah. about? No, very good. All I'm saying is that the the story's broken tonight through Tom Morris at Fox Footy. The Michael Voss is likely to be the coach of the Carlton Football Club if if Alastair Clarkson knocks us back for the millionth time. Now, what I'll say is this: the Alastair Clarkson talk has just hasn't gone away. It's it's always been there. Regardless of whether he said he's not coaching or not, it's been there in the background. Now that Brian Cook's appointed, boys, do you see Clarko maybe changing his mind to go, Carlton looks like a very tantalising prospect right now? I do. Um, Reason being is because of the personnel um, that we've now appointed. Uh, I feel as though they can potentially... I'm going to say Brian Cook 
can can get him over the line. I think Brian Cook coming to the club um, might be the reason as to Clarkson actually going, you know what, let's do what they mean business. Yeah, I'll put it this way, boys. I um, I don't think Clarkson was never off being the coach of the Carlton Football Club in 2022. Okay, whether it was... Yeah, maybe potentially down the track, he was arming and arming about whatever, going overseas to study for the year and, and traveling and whatnot. But knowing Clarkson, the kind of person he is and how he is so determined um, just for, for success and the, within the potential of the Carlton Football Club, especially our list, I don't think he was ever, ever in his mind, he was never fully not committed of the potential um, to be the Carlton coach, for sure. He 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 always had it in him. I think I know. I think I know what you what you're getting at, Jules. It's a very roundabout way of saying that he was never completely out of it. Thank nah. you, Joe. Yeah, Jules, I got a headache from your from your description. I'm just trying a, to give as much detail as I can. This is this is this is a bloke that's currently in Spain teaching English to Spanish students. So just that's where we're at. I don't know whether it's when you when you know two languages and when you're used to hearing one, you know how sometimes you have to think about the other one? Like if I go to speak That's Italian, it. sometimes I have to think about the word. Maybe Jules is doing that with English. Yeah, but Jules is doing that with gibberish in his head. <laughs> between the two. Listen, boys, if it is Michael Voss, right? Let's just say Clark goes out of it, right? Let's let's go with that. The report's broken that Voss is the preferred candidate from Greg Williams coaching panels perspective that they're impressed by what he's, what he's produced. Ollie Wines spoke glowingly of him today as a leader and the way that he turned their leadership group around. Are you, what are your thoughts on Michael Voss's head coach? Cause he's, he's done it. He's done it before at Brisbane. It was a very long time ago. Now um, failed at it. He's been an assistant coach under the Port Adelaide system for a long time now, which has been a, a winning system and a successful system. If he does have a second crack at head coaching, can you see him turning it around? Can you see him being a successful premiership coach as well as a premiership player? I can. I, I, I do like Michael Voss um, as our potential coach. Um, reason being is because he has, I mentioned it with Laddams last week, the fact that he's been in and amongst a winning culture as a coach, he knows how to win as a player. He's done that. He, he can, he can, advise players and mentor the players like he has done to, to an Ollie Wines um, and imagine what he can do with Sam Walsh. Yeah. That's what I, I think. But in terms of as a, as a coach, I feel being in that Port Adelaide system and then probably just nurturing his coaching ability as well. I feel as though he'd probably be prime now. If you had to ask me post Brisbane, I would have said nah. And, and I'll just say maybe he's a victim of what Teague was a victim of. He went to Brisbane. They were a bit of a basket case. May have been too early for him to jump into a head coaching gig without any prior experience um, in a side that really needed some level-headedness and some and some direction. Uh, there's no doubting Michael Voss's leadership as a player. And a lot of times people speak of, well, if they were, if they were an immense leader on field, then they've already got those qualities to be able to transition that to the off-field and, and, and into coaching. I'm with you, Pov. This guy... this. I, I was I was pretty young. I was probably we we're, were all pretty young when Michael Voss was at the peak of his powers. I was, I was probably six or six, seven or eight years old. But 
I know the stories and I've seen the footage of what he did as a player on field and the way that he galvanized the group around him. He had that aura where he put him on the on his back and he just take he'd say, "Come on, boys, let's let's just get the job done." If he's still got that within him and within his character as a head coach, that's exactly what this group needs at Carlton. They need a kick up the ass. They need someone to go pull your finger out, follow me, boys. I'll take you there. I'll tell you something. How's this? Michael Voss, captain of Brisbane, all right? Jonathan Brown goes, uh, well, they were talking about post him um, leaving or, or uh, finishing his AFL career. They had five co-captains. Jonathan Brown goes, because we couldn't replace Voss as a leader. How's that? Says it all. And everyone forgets he was captain of three-time premiership captain under the great, one of the greatest, if not the greatest players of all time in Lee Matthews and also simultaneously one of the greatest coaches of all time. So the guys, the, the tutelage that he's had as a player and as a coach yeah, set up for success in the long term for me. Yeah, I feel like as if he's best placed now um, compared to any other time of his obviously coaching career, obviously Brisbane and now Port Adelaide in the last whatever five or so years he's been there. Um, but yeah, he's had the, you know, the on-field leadership in terms of those capabilities, massive tick. Um, Brisbane didn't quite work out for him, basket case there. But then obviously the coaching um, at Port Adelaide with the likes of the way, you know, Ollie Wines and whatnot and has commentated um, about in the last whatever couple of weeks, um, He's made a massive difference there in terms of their culture. Now it's just, to, you know, time will tell whether if he does get the Carlton coaching position or another coaching position, if that, if it does fall his way, um, whether he's able to do it as an actual leader of, you know, not only 44 players or whatever it is on a list, but a whole coaching um, or football department. That's the big, um, you know, where there's still like a question mark. I'd yeah, say. but if you have the right people around you, assistants, head of football, et cetera, it makes that a lot easier. CEO. Oh, for sure. Without that. Yeah, 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 for sure. He didn't, for have, sure. He didn't, have, he didn't have Brian Cook overseeing his, his entire football <laughs> operations at Brisbane. I'll yeah. tell you what, Michael Voss is the type of person that will shake up a change room. He'll demand standards, which is what I like, but also he can get on the player's level. But but what I, you nailed it. If I'm a player and Michael Voss walks through the doors of my football club as my head coach, he's revered. He's like, nice. man, when I was a kid, I watched you and I modeled my game on you as a contested yeah. beast. Like now you're coaching me. Yeah, I'll listen to what you got to say. No problem, man. Yeah, No problem. So I think whichever way it goes, if it is Voss, I'm happy. If it's Clarkson, obviously I'm happy. I think we're all on the same boat there. I just want to finish this off. Pov, you, 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 I want to finish off the Blues part of this before we get Caden in to speak about the grand final. Spoke about Luke Sayers before. You spoke about the fact that he's nailed the CEO appointment. But for me, he's nailed everything he said he would do so far. He came in, he said, we need a change. We need a swift change. And the biggest one in terms of high performance was these media leaks. Now, I don't know about you boys, but the media haven't nailed one thing that we've done. It's yeah. oh, Cook's coming, Cook's not coming. Clarkson's coming, Clarkson's not coming. Lions in, Lions out. 
No one knows what is going on. And it's it, what it's done, it's frustrated a lot of supporters because the supporters think we're a shambles. I can tell you right now, we're as nailed as a football Opposite. club as we've ever been under Luke Sayers. Luke Sayers has come in. He stopped the media leaks. He stopped the bullshit. He said, "This we're doing it our way. And it's plain and simple. We're back. That's He's basically yeah. saying we are back to setting high standards, high standards yeah. as a football club. I fucking love Luke Sayers. I'll say it now. I love the guy. I love that he's yeah. coming with this cutthroat approach and gone, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. See you later. And oh, brought yeah. in appointments and brought in appointments straight away that better the high performance of this football club. Not only that, he's backed himself in. Yeah, he's massive in a big in. way. But yeah, by making big statements, big moves, and, and pulling through with it. Yeah. Um, but not only that, the way I see it too, in terms of the way he's conducted everything, he, in terms of not leaking anything out to the media, um, the media, okay, are... Not shitting themselves, okay? But I feel as if they're disappointed in the Carlton Football Club with not letting out anything, without letting out any information. They're pissed off. And I feel as if the media are so frustrated. Yeah, they're so frustrated with what's going on. And they're just trying to come up with whatever it can to just to try and upset the process in which what we're doing, to try and pressure us in making a, a, a rash decision in which we are not faltering whatsoever. But that's what's so which, good. Which, which is what I love. Exactly right. Because internally, it's rock solid. Yep. So regardless right. of what happens ex- like, um, externally, it won't affect what we're doing. Yeah? This is what I see happening. This is what I see happening in the next week or so. I reckon there'll be a coaching announcement, announcement whether it be Clarkson, which I feel like, still, I feel like he's number one on our list, and I reckon which will be locked in, at least by the end of the week, if not Monday or Tuesday, and everyone's going to be talking about that rather than the AFL Grand Final. That would be the biggest talking point. That would be unbelievable. In the media, in, within the last year. I can guarantee you that's going that, 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 to that's gonna happen. And Luke Say is just waiting for it to happen. Jeez, Jules, you've just set up a lot Big of Carlton statement. supporters. You've set up a lot of Carlton supporters for disappointment. But what I will say is, as a Carlton supporter, you should be very happy right now with the state that the club's in. Because when you see the media scrambling like that, it says one thing to me. And it says that they're not getting shit from this club anymore. No one's getting information. 100%. Jules, that statement there that you've made is almost as 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 big as Joe's 12 and 10. But bigger. No, but the only bigger. thing is, everything has been leading up to this. That's why I'm saying it. In terms of sayers, in terms of everything is just telling me, in terms of the announcement of Cook, um, Diesel, the way they've been talking, everything like that. I can just see that that is, it's just in terms of obviously dot, dotting and crossing the I's and the T's. And then once it's done, it'll be done. I can guarantee you it, boys. Jules, I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. And I hope all roads lead to Clarko. But like we just said, if it is Voss, I'm going to be just as happy, to be honest, just knowing the type of player that he was and oh, for sure. in his coaching career. So, boys, that's it for the Blues News part of the show. All right, we've got uh, we've got our special guest here, Caden McDonald, mate. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's uh, I know it's a, it's going to be a busy week for you, but uh, you've taken time out of your schedule to to give us you know half hour. 
<laughs> yeah, perfect, lads. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm a massive fan of the Blue Broad channel. I'm a massive fan of the Blues. One of my best mates, Connor Rogers, is massive on the Blues. He, I, I ride the highs and lows with him. So, um, yeah, really honoured to be on the channel and I appreciate you boys getting me on. You should have got Connor Rogers on the on the show. <laughs> I think he would bring a level of nuffiness that would probably be a little <laughs> bit overwhelming. So um, it's good that I can probably be that mediator on, on the show. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, mate, just for those, and if you've been living under a rock and you don't know who Caden, Caden is and what Caden does, he's a YouTuber. <laughs> he's got, uh, like Dan said, 62,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel and uh, covers a lot of footy-related footy content, obviously a lot of Ds-related content. Um, for those that don't know you, mate, maybe just a bit of a background into, into how long you've been doing it and, and, and all of that. Uh, yeah, for sure. So I um, initially, back in the day after I finished high school, I... I wanted to crack into the radio industry. I thought, um, looking at Hamish and Andy, and I thought, geez, what they do is absolutely unbelievable. That would be an ideal way to earn an income. So I was trying to get into radio for a few years. I went to a, a radio training institute, which specialised in getting you ready for radio, funnily enough, and I couldn't quite get a gig. And I was really, really down and out and upset and sort of, you know, I thought the world was against me. Why can't I get a radio gig anywhere in the country? And uh, my radio lecturer pretty much said, this is in 2015 or 2016. He goes, well, there's no excuse in this day and age. Like you could do a YouTube channel. You could do a podcast. There's really no excuse to not uh, develop your own thing and develop your own skills. So since then I've been making YouTube videos probably since about 2016. Um, I'm a massive D's Nuffy. I'm a massive AFL Nuffy. Um, I like to make things lighthearted and comedic and yeah, I draw inspiration from like the footy show and uh, a range of other shows, to be honest. I, I pinch ideas left, right and centre. So um, it's been going quite well and um, yeah, I, I'm quite stoked with how, how it's going so far. That's one thing I noticed, mate, on your channel is that you've got a lot of variety on there. Like you'll do some, some reenacting some like on the, like buzzer on the siren um, goals and uh you know my, yeah my favorite my favorite of the goal kicking challenges and i'm i'm gonna put yeah. it out there uh, jules is living in spain at the moment so he can't really do it but i reckon once these restrictions lift in victoria i reckon me and dan can give that a very good crack beautiful beautiful um yeah well i do like to mix up the channel um i like to just yeah keep it light keep it um quite take the piss to be honest i don't really rate my footy knowledge as like expert footy knowledge i like being that nuffy fan who sort of comes in and cracks gags but um yeah i, I do like to keep my channel quite um uh, what, what what's the word quite uh not banter 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 and light-hearted uh, light-hearted and i like to have like a lot of strings to my bow as well like i'm not necessarily the best podcaster but i i have a crack at podcasting i'm not the best at you know making the parody songs but i like to have a, a broad sort of spectrum and um yeah, the, uh, the goal-kicking challenges are sort of inspired from the UK. There's a lot of YouTubers over in the UK, whether it's the Sidemen, KSI, um, those type of people who do the goal-kicking challenges. So, um, yeah, a lot of my stuff is probably, yeah, pinched from the UK and, and what they do over there. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, as a Nuffy, you fit in perfectly here, mate. The three of us have got no idea what we're doing as well, so don't worry. In order of in order of Nuffies, you're probably at the like we're we're all at the bottom and you're at the top, so you're all right. Yeah, I'm on top in terms of Nuffiness as well. I reckon I um, <laughs> going to every day's game, getting flogged by 100 points, being there week in week out. I think I've earned my stride as oh, one of mate, the all time great Nuffs. I just wanted to ask if we'll get on the D's a little bit now. Yeah. Um, just in terms of where do you think 
Melbourne has turned the corner in terms of their culture and everything like that. Where do you think, can you nail something on its head here or not? Or is it reckon it's a more broad? No, I think it's a, um, obviously it's a range of things coming together to form this sort of season. Like I remember um, in 2018, 2019, we were quite good, but there was no polish here, kicking inside 50 and that connection just wasn't there. And I remember every sort of press conference, Simon Goodwin saying connection folder center, connection folder center, connection folder center, and all the supporters going, this bloke's just a robot repeating the same sentences. Um, I remember talking about uh, the defensive stuff from like 2017, 2018 onwards, talking about how we got to be better, um, got to be better defensively. I remember him talking about um, got to be, uh, you know, really competitive in the contest. And he'd reiterate that, reiterate that. And I, I honestly think it's just all these things coming together. But the one thing I put it down to is sticking the course and sticking with, um, the f- philosophy and the goal that the club's had over the last four or five years. I remember at the start of this season in particular, or even towards the end of last, um, there was a lot of heat on Simon Goodwin and there's a lot of heat um, on whether he's good enough to coach. And uh, we had a review similar to what the Blues had um, at you know during this year, but we had a review at the end of last year after we got back from the hub and mixed up a couple of the assistant coaches, but sort of kept the glue together. The The coach was the same, the, the board and all the administration was similar. Um, the assistant coaches got a little bit of a, a, a refresher and we came back and it was just this maturity and this sort of um, four or five years of work come together. So I, I would say it's probably just that sticking the course that's seen us jump up the way we have this year. Where were you? We've actually mentioned Goodwin a few times for that reason um, when we were talking about the whole Teague saga, okay, and saying that, you know, the Ds did stick fat with um, with Goodwin and maybe we should have done the same with Teague, um, you know. So the fact that you have done that and now look where you are, um, yeah, like I said, it shows believe in the philosophy and then if everyone's on that same goal, you get to the promised land, don't you? For sure. And I think in particular, like there's countless Melbourne players who subsequently left, like I'm talking your James Frawley's, your, uh, your Jeremy Howes, uh, your Jared Rivers, all these blokes had sort of seven or eight coaches in five years. Um, and now we've sort of turned over this leaf where um, our last five years of draftees have had one, if not two, it might be Paul Ruse but it's definitely one or two coaches now. So they got that stability, um, like a James Jordan and a Luke Jackson and a Tom Sparrow and all these blokes are getting that same message for two or three years in a row now. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah, it's, it's spot on. And you can see the parallels there with where we've been at this year, boys, where it's kind of like stick fat, stick fat, stick fat, because you can see, you know, it happened at Richmond with Dimmer, happened at Collingwood with Buckley, happened with Bomber Thompson way back when uh, with Geelong in, in 06, 07. And now you're seeing that with, with the D's and, and Goodwin. So, I mean, it, there's no there's no one way that writes success, but it, it is a very, very um, familiar pattern versus the successful clubs of the last 10 to 15 years, especially. On the other hand, just to play devil's advocate, there are always stories like a Chris Fagan walks into Brisbane, turns the place on its head. So oh, yeah. for every success story where, you know, it seems like that's the path to go. Um, you never know what could happen. Like I speak to my mate, Connor Rogers, Roggy quite regularly. And 
Um, he's so optimistic by the talent and so am I for the Carlton Footy Club. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they are that sort of team that bob up. But I feel like at this point, um, given the Blues situation, I think sort of culling the expectations is probably one of the main focuses. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very, that is very sound advice for us Carlton supporters. <laughs> how, how big of an influence do you reckon Choco Williams has had over the club? Oh, yeah, so massive. Um, and I'm so glad we got someone like him in. And even when we first uh, heard that Choco was coming in, there was sort of, I don't know, there was these rumours that like, oh, he, he was out of the AFL system for reasons. He's a bit of a hothead. He, he wasn't, you know, great for an AFL environment. Everything I see from him to do with like uh, what the club put out, he is this sort of grandfather role for all the younger boys. And um you know, I've watched this Melbourne footy club have horrible culture for years, real sort of like I used to watch Melbourne players walk off the footy field week in, week out. And I'd look at them so frustrated going, you guys don't care as much as us. Like you just don't, you, you, you're going to be out of the club in a couple of years. Um, if not requesting a trade, you're sort of here for a paycheck. And I would just get this frustration that these guys aren't as invested as myself and all the other members. And, Choco Williams has come in and the D's have introduced over the last couple of years. It's called uh, the David Needs Academy and it's the first of three-year players and it's the, um, the uh, what's the word for it? Where it's like the initials of the start. It's like the initials of the start is the DNA and they have DNA meetings, David Needs Academy meetings and they uh, and Choco Williams runs it and he sort of nurtures these first of th- uh, third-year players. They come in, um, if there's anything they've missed throughout the week, um, in the bigger meetings with the rest of the playing group, Choco goes through it with them again. Um, they have turns in like getting up and um, talking in front of the first of three year players. So the 18 year olds are talking in front of like the 21 year olds and they find, you know, they get this little groove and group. And we, we would not have had that seven or eight years ago. And I think the maturity for these blokes to give up an hour of their Monday and go in and do a David Neitz Academy and, um, it sounds so corny and so stupid. Like to me, it sounds like it could be a bit pointless. Oh, you have it's one. Sort of, yeah, you have one meeting on a month. Like, what what does that do? But it, it it that sort of thing shapes the culture of a footy club, and I think that shapes the maturity. And it's driven by Choco, so that's unbelievable. You nailed it. You nailed it with culture. Like you, they brought structure to to what you guys are doing. There's purpose to what you do in a week. You know, I don't think. I mean, playing sport growing up you know, and, and understanding how important like your training schedule is and, and being regimented with a, with a very, very routine structure week in, week out, how much that galvanizes a group, because it's, if you've got structure, if you've got purpose, when you walk into the club, you know what you're going in there for, you know what you're playing for, you know what you stand for. And yep. you, you said something there that resonated with me so badly. We're going to move <laughs> on to the grand final in a minute, but uh, you spoke about looking at players and just shaking your head going, you don't give a shit. You're here for a paycheck. There's been so many moments that us as Carlton supporters, I can speak for the other two in, in, in this Zoom call as well, where we've had conversations going, player A doesn't care. He couldn't care less for this club. Couldn't care yes. less. Yep. On the other hand, are you spewing about Nathan Jones not being a part of that final? Uh, like, supporter? Yeah, overall, I am. Like I'm absolutely gutted that this sort of season didn't happen a year earlier, but, and like, I am shattered for Nathan because like, you know, being in high school and um, seeing, as I said, like all my favorite players, James Frawley, 
has left. Uh, Jeremy Howe has left. Jared Rivers is taken off. Uh, just there were so many of that group that Nathan Jones was a part of um, that, that took off and sort of left and they were well within their rights to leave. And I don't hold any grudges against them, but Jonesy always stayed. And I remember checking on my little uh, flip top Nokia going on to the AFL, you know, uh, news that was free with me Telstra deal and scrolling down. Oh, Nathan Jones aside and the relief of like, all right, we can sort of build something around this bloke was so exciting. So for him to not be part of the grand final is a little bit upsetting, but to be completely honest, I love that our team and our best 22 has developed so much that a James Jordan is probably in front of him. And it, it, it yeah. excites me that a 21 year old, him, um, Tom Sparrow, there's a handful of others. Like I'm more optimistic that, they're in the side and it does pay me um, to say, because it is like a bit of a changing of the guard, but it does also give me heaps of optimism as well that I back in a 21 year old over a veteran. Let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the week. So how old were you in, how old, how old were you in 2000 when, when the D's made the grand final? Uh, I was five. Yeah. So there's probably not much that you really remember of the build up to the week and whatnot. I remember dad and I um, taping, melbourne footy club uh flags on like the veranda and i remember mum made me a red and blue sponge cake and i don't remember the rest thankfully because right. we right. got rolled <laughs> well yeah uh, and actually fun fact for, for you boys too <laughs> that year was the sydney olympics the grand final was played on september 2nd do you know what september 2nd is boys no nah. Oh, that's how good a mate you are. It's my birthday. You, what are you? That's why. That's why I. That's why I remember. I was six years old. That's why I remember the uh, the two thousand grand final because I was watching it on my birthday. But regardless, let's get back to Caden. This lucky week, I didn't say, lucky I didn't say. Oh, it's, it wouldn't have been anything important if me and Jules can't remember. <laughs> this week, Joe's trying to make it all about him now. All right, enough. This week, Caden being being so involved with footy as a YouTuber. Uh, being so involved with the Melbourne Football Club, doing what we're hoping to do for a number of years um, and feeling that pain, going to games week in, week out where you get belted and you finally get here and it's grand final week. <laughs> how does it feel, mate? Like, how on it is it? Is it a surreal feeling <laughs> to know that you're going to be watching your side come Saturday play off for a premiership? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, 100%. It, um, it doesn't seem right to be honest it seems and it makes it seem like it's not that big of a thing almost because in my head i'm like you know the d's are in a grand final but because the d's are in it i'm like oh it's not it's not that like how have the d's made it like it, it, it is really really bizarre and even like i've just been glued to the melbourne footy club social medias and i'm waiting for every interview and every you know uh sort of uh, story to come out and all the interviews with the players and even there was a press conference middle of last week with alex neil bullen and there was like 10 microphones ahead of him and there was voices like um, tom brown and damo barrett at that midweek press conference and i'm looking going oh geez this is this is a bit you know, crazy because I'm used to tuning into the uh, midweek press conference with Alex Neil Bullen and there's two microphones and one of the questions getting asked is from the Melbourne social media team, but it's a big deal. And it's just, it is crazy that the Melbourne footy club have made it and I'm still pinching myself and it's a really, uh, I feel really sort of blessed that going into this, I feel quite good. Like I, 
it's taken 18 months. It's taken 20 years, but it's taken 18 months, but I do trust this group for the first time in my life. And I know that whatever happens on Saturday, I can trust that what they'll bring, I'll be proud of. And to be proud of your footy club um, for me in particular is sort of foreign ground because I've just been so ashamed to, to don the D's scarf and the D's jumper at high school and down at, you know, the footy days at primary school and, and whatever. Um, but I am proud and I am optimistic and I do trust what they can bring on Saturday. Fuck, you're bringing a tear to my eye. <laughs> well, what does it, what does it, I mean, for yourself, I mean, that's that's unreal. I got lost in all that. That was, I was, just thinking, I was, I was genuinely just thinking like what it, what it would be like to be in that position and be proud of your football club. Boys. I felt like Joe, I felt like it was like me in the end of the Titanic holding a wall. <laughs> what, what does it mean for, you said your dad's a D supporter and I'm sure he's, he's felt an immense amount of hurt from this football club over the years. <laughs> what does it mean for that generation? Like, it, 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 I couldn't imagine, like boys, you know, Jules, your dad, for instance, he's, in, he's the maddest Carlton supporter I know. Uh, I couldn't imagine what something like this would mean for that generation that have stuck by for so long and gone through all the years of hurt. I mean, we've been 26 years without a flag. These guys haven't seen a flag for 57 years. Yeah. Yeah, well, the funny story is like my dad was born in 1958 and was born in Scotland. So I'm a McDonald's, so we're obviously from Scotland. Uh, my dad uh, came over from Scotland. I, it's an abridged story, but he basically got into the primary school and was trying to settle in in a suburb of Melbourne. And all the kids are going to this Scottish kid, oh, who do you go, in the, go for in the footy? And he's got no idea. So he's looking around the classroom and there's streamers, red and blue streamers. There's red and blue balloons. There's, you know, a, a lot of red and blue around. So he goes, oh, I'll go for the red and blue team. And the reason there was all that sort of red and blue around was because they came over in 1964. And uh, when he was settling in to his primary school and whatnot, that was obviously when we won our last flag. So I almost blame him that he's brought something over on the boat or on the plane or however they got here. And um, we haven't seen success since, but it's quite what is sort of getting me inspired and motivated is seeing everything on social media of the streamers and the balloons and the scarves and the flags back in the streets of Melbourne. And it just reminds me that this is the reason my dad did choose this footy club was the colors and the success that he walked into. Um, Unfortunately for him, yeah, we haven't seen success since, uh, you know, when we made the 2000 grand final, we were up against the Bombers who lost one game for the year in red hot form. So no Melbourne supporter went in going, this is the year. They sort of went, oh, geez, let's see how we can go. I'm pretty sure there's a grand final between then and 1964 that we made that we got knocked off, but there's, there hasn't been this good of a chance. Um, so yeah, it would mean everything to, to that sort of generation. And um, especially to do with Carlton, Roger always talks about how his dad um, sells the Carlton footy club to Connor. Um, he goes, mate, when I grew up, we saw dynasties and flags and yeah, yeah. my dad has nothing like that to tell me. My dad, I think after the 1964 grand final, the D's didn't make finals for 23 years. And then, um, you know, obviously in the 2000s, in the last 15 years, we had a really lame patch of not making finals for 12 years again. So it has been just years of just a non-success and non-relevance. And to be in the biggest game of the year 
and um, to have just social media lit up with Melbourne stories and, and it feels like we're almost relevant again. And by almost, I mean like we need to do this for a couple more years. We can't just be a flash in the pan, come in, maybe lose, go back down the ladder. We need four or five years of success and I feel like we could almost call ourselves a relevant footy club again. I think you will be, to be honest with you, Caden. I think you, you're going to be up there for a while. And, and uh, Joe and I were at the game where Carlton played you guys, and we actually said that you were this year probably the most well-drilled, best team we've seen live. When you see it there, um, the way in which you move the footy, work rate, everything was just second to none. Like, it was just another level. I wasn't even what I've seen. I- yeah, when, when I watched that game, I wasn't even watching what you were doing with the ball. It was all the off-ball stuff. Like, uh, the, the structure that you guys have got off the ball, the way that everyone just knows how to play their role. Like, I've seen Richmond at their peak live in the flesh, you know, 2017, 2018. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. The the way that the way that you're structured and the way that, that everyone just knows how to execute their role is something I've never seen in football, to be honest. Uh, that's, yeah. And it it's really unfathomable to me that, people speak about my footy club like this. Like when I tune into your AFL 360s and you're on the couches and whatnot and uh, Nick Rewalt's going, oh yeah, the benchmark is the Melbourne footy club defence and the Melbourne footy club this. I go, this doesn't sound right. This just does not sound right. Uh, we're usually yeah. the butt of the joke. We're never the, the yardstick that people measure themselves against. But I did go to the Carlton game. Uh, I think it was round nine or maybe round eight earlier this year with Roger, who I've given plenty of shout outs. And he was talking, we, we sat behind the goals and I was really impressed by our defense for the first seven or eight weeks of the season. But we sat behind the goals that game and saw this like grid go from one wing to the other wing. And they were all in line. It was the first time I watched it just, just flow from side to side. And it was sort of from, the middle of defensive 50 to our half forward line was where they were set up. And it was just this grid that went from side to side. And I'm going, oh my God. And I think that game in particular, it, it might've looked a little bit Hollywood, but there was a lot of like, you know, Gussie Brayshaw handballs over the head to Charlie Spargo. And that game, it, the, the um, connection between every player on the ground and the understanding, I was like blown away by. And I think we only won by 20 odd points because, you know, we are that defense first sort of team. Um, but yeah, the connection between them and yeah, that understanding of the game plan and the grid is what uh, man kind of call it. Um, what was pretty impressive. We were actually, we were actually up maybe five for five minutes in that game. Five, <laughs> ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, we didn't play too badly that day. I don't no, know. I didn't think so either. Yeah. And what I thought, um, was, which I liked from Carlton was you'd, you'd sort of get stuck at the top of the 50, but that was good because you'd, it was obviously drilled into them all week. Don't kick high and long. Don't kick high and long. So you were getting to half forward and then trying to switch back the other way and getting caught a little bit. But there was this reluctance to throw that punch and send it long inside 50. Um, but it was good to see that the players actually had some thought. Well, yeah. yeah. yeah and you go, Jules. Um, no, nah, just, just talking about Melbourne, just in terms of how, how well-rounded they are or you are, um, you know, you've got that so mentality but that, but then by foot you can still pick part of team um in the contest you're strong um which obviously means in terms of your pressure intent you know the other opposition will have dump kicks and then the likes of may and lever just double the ball up with an intercept mark obviously leading into um into this saturday how do you feel 
of the game, how do you feel um, it's going to go? Uh, well, I've been playing 50,000 scenarios in my head. There's one scenario I where I go, oh, well, you know, the prelim was against Geelong, who were the second best team. And oh, I feel like we that, that start was really important. And then that third quarter was important. So if it goes like that, you know, happy days. And then there's another part of me that goes, what if the dogs do what they did against Port? And it's just, you know, we're down by 30 early. How am I going to feel? And then I think about so many scenarios, but um, with, with the trust, I, I just, I, I trust that, uh, and this is what Goody once again has regurgitated for years and years and years, three or four years. He talks about at one stage in the game, we'll get the game looking like a Melbourne game or we'll get the game on our terms. And uh, we, we've seen it before and it's been tested this year against Brisbane um, in round 11, I believe it was. They were up by 20 points at half time, and I'm sort of going, you know, come on, Goody. When, you know, when are we getting the game on our terms? We always get the game on our terms. Um, and in the third quarter we did and against Geelong, we were down by 44 points and I'm, you know, I, I, I'd conceded. I was expecting to play Port Adelaide at Adelaide week one in the finals but we got the game on our terms and I just love having trust that at some point that will happen and the earlier, the better. So I think looking forward, I, I hope it's straight away. I hope it's just, yeah, straight away that first sort of three goals to the D's I can settle the nerves and then we can grind away from there. But um, I think what I've been so impressed with this year is that pressure and it's from the forward line and definitely in the midfield. So I cannot wait to see your Clayton Olivers, uh, your Petrarchas, but your Vineys in particular get let loose in an AFL grand final because that bloke will leave no stone unturned to get us over the line. And I think him going against like a Libba is is pretty exciting for the neutrals. It's well, a, I'm actually, yeah, go, Joe. I, was, I think we're going to say the same thing. It's a very good segue because Jack Viney's <laughs> one that I really wanted to talk about because I've got him down for the Norm Smith on uh, <laughs> He's that type of player. You're right. You nailed it. He's the type of player that on grand final day, that contested ball situation that, you know, when, when, the, when the game really, when it's in the clinches in the third quarter, premiership quarter, and it's close and whatnot, he's the player. He's that guy. He's not flashy. He just gets in, puts the team on his back and says, I'll get it out to your boys. I'll do the dirty work. And he'll have a, a third quarter for the ages. That's how I'm saying it. I'm just saying, and, and you mentioned the other one on the other side with Tom Libba because mm. Libba's the same, same sort of player. He's done that for the dogs all year. The unheralded work, the mm. tackling, the work rate off the ball, the blocks for his midfielders. Um, you know, putting his head over the footy and, and, and sometimes in situations where you just go, I, I would never do that in my wildest dreams because I would probably get killed. They're the, they're the players that in that third quarter where if I'm, if I'm looking as a neutral, I think it's going to be quite close. They're the two I'm going to be looking at going, they're the ones, they're the match winners for both <laughs> sides. Yeah, I think Jack Viney um, is a little bit underrated and it's, it's quite funny because every Melbourne supporter knows, like if Jack Viney's out for us, we're sort of scratching our heads going, even though Clayton Oliver is a contested bull and so is Petrarca, there's this element of just, um, just competitiveness from Jack Viney. He's pressure acts, he's tackling. He brings an element of almost defence to our midfield and it gives your Petrarca and Oliver a chance to, to break away um, when he's in the side. And yeah, he's best mate growing up. Ollie Wines has obviously, um, yeah, got, got the Brownlow th uh, throughout the week. 
And those sort of players are coming into their own and they've taken a little bit. It's taken a little bit for Ollie Wines and taken a little bit for Jack Viney. I remember they both came onto the scene pretty strongly pretty early, but they've had their challenges each throughout their career. But I think it, it's just going to be a genuine pleasure to see a Jack Viney on grand final day. I, I can't imagine him, you know, he's not going into his shell. I can't imagine really anyone, to be honest, both sides. Like I'm excited by the Bulldogs and the way that they go about their business too. So I think as much as I am hoping that we can kick away and as much as I'm hoping it's done by 10 minutes in, um, I, I could see and can see this being an absolute belter. I think one thing, yeah, one thing like you mentioned, you're going to see a high-intensity game. from 100%, sides. yeah. It's going yeah. to be something. I think it's going to be one of the best grand finals. Oh, I think it really is. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. I agree. I think we're going to see a very, very tight, very close contest. Obviously, it's over in Perth, Caden. I, I feel for all D supporters uh, that have stuck by and haven't been able to get to this grand final. But what I'll say is, I don't, and I think Dan touched on it before, I don't think this is going to be your only shot, mate. I think the way that this club's been drilled, I think you're going to be there for the next four or five years. Uh, you're really going to be at the pointy end of it. So I know that must hurt, but uh, as a neutral, if you can take anything out of that, I think you'll get your chance again to see these boys on grand final day. Yeah, if there's anything I know about the Melbourne Footy Club is I don't really want to take anything for granted because, um, oh, you know, 2018 we made a prelim and I was like, all right, guys, we'll do this again next year. And they finished 17th. So... Um, I'm just trying to soak this all in. I know how hard grand finals are to make. I know how hard they are to win. There's a million great teams over the years that haven't won grand finals. Um, and in regards to it being over in Perth, it, it is like, I haven't really thought about it too much to, to be honest. Um, a lot of people have said that to me, oh, you know, that it must suck that um, it is in Perth and it does a little bit because I would love obviously nothing more, um, but to be there just to cheer them on, I feel quite helpless at home, even though I am helpless at the MCG. I'm, I can't go out there, don a jumper and, you know, win a hardball get, which is not what I would be doing anyway if I was out there. But um, I, I do, I just feel helpless at home. But uh, the great thing is like my, my dad in particular, he hasn't been going to, to games over the last few years with his mental health and he, he avoids going to, you know, the, the big, uh, the, the atmosphere of the MCG. So, the only way I could probably watch it with him is if it wasn't at the MCG, because I would probably be there. So that's the um, the silver lining that I'm taking out of it is that me and dad get to hopefully um, watch the drought breaking grand final together. Um, so yeah, I'm just pumped and hopefully the, the boys can do us proud, which I, I think they will. Boys, I know Caden's prediction on the, uh, on the winner, but who have you got for the flag? You don't have to say Melbourne just because he's here either. No, no Melbourne. Melbourne. Nah, I've got Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, I've sold it well enough. Then <laughs> we're, we're all we're all well and truly on the uh, on the D's bandwagon, mate. And uh, and and for you and for the, all of the Melbourne supporters that have suffered for so many years, I truly hope that this is uh, an absolute fairy tale on Saturday, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. That's the show, boys. Just by the way, that's uh, that's flown by. I want to do my speed round. You want to you want to quiz him? Yeah, let me quiz him. All right, this is how we're going to finish off, then. We got Dan's quiz. Beautiful. All right. So, first question. You got to go. You got to go quick. All right. All right. 
I'm gonna yeah. like my my initial responses are normally ridiculous, so this Good. will be interesting. That's what we want. Good. That's the way it's supposed to be. All right. Favorite memory as a D supporter? Uh, beating Geelong by a point at Simmons Stadium. Nice. If you were stuck on a deserted island, who's two people that you'd want on there? And I know one's Rogie, so you can answer the other one. His name Rogie? Yeah, Connor Rogers. Yeah, he'd be handy. And probably my other mate, Austin Cookson. He's a big fellow who could probably, yeah, fight some wildlife for us. <laughs> Cookson, is he the one that's terrible at the goal kicking? <laughs> I think he's pinched one before, but yeah, he can sometimes go a bit missing in the goal no, kicking. I was just, I'm just thinking about it because I know I'm not going to be the worst there when we eventually get to it. It's good. <laughs> and then who's two people that you wouldn't have on that island with you? Oh, geez. Um, Potentially my girlfriend. I don't think she'd be great in high, high pressure situations. <laughs> and um, who else? Uh, who, who's going to send this to the doll? Yeah, no. Oh, geez. Um, another person, probably, uh, probably Damien Barrett. I feel like he'd be a bit of a, a bit of a, um, a bit of a passenger when we're trying to hunt and and, and get things done. I like I like the David Barrett answer, but I think I think that's going to get you in a bit of trouble, mate. That's gold. That's gold. That's a point about Very good, very good, Caden, mate. Thank you very much for all our listeners. If you haven't checked out Caden, go check out his YouTube channel. Um, he does some great stuff there. Boys, we're not going to go up the baggers this week. We're going to go with something else. I don't even think I have to tell you what we're going to go with. Come the D's! Yes. Yes. Whip them home. Whip them home.